about that? Better? All right. God is good. Amen? God is good. No, no, the, the problem is all the time is the answer. God is good. And all the time. There you go. That's how, that's how we do it. That's how we roll. Um, if I didn't know better, I would think that some things have transpired since I've been gone. Uh, but you know what? Uh, we're not going to concentrate on what's transpired. We're going to stay focused. Uh, I've talked privately today with Miss Kim. See her and uh, pray with her and talk privately with her. And I've talked privately with Pastor Bill today just before he uh, got on the airplane. And so I've, I've come with instructions to uh, focus on Jesus and no one else. So if you're going to lift a name up while you're here, lift up the name of Jesus, no other name. And uh, that's what we're going to do. You can take from that what you mean, but that's what we're here to do. Uh, we'll not be distracted. Uh, Miss Kim is fine. She is uh, completely healed and uh, totally whole. And we don't accept anything else. Amen. Amen. So that's what, that's what we're going to do. Now, the last statement of faith that I had from her was she planned to be here by the weekend. And if that's where she's standing, then I see no reason to stand differently. Some would say, well, you know, well, I'd say that if you knew Jesus the way that uh, we ought to, he can do anything he wants to in an instant of time. Amen? So that's what we're asking him to do. Now, healing can take days or weeks or months or years. Miracles are instantaneous. So uh, we'll take the healing because that's going on. But if you want to accelerate it, Lord, and give us a miracle, then we'll prefer that. Amen? So uh, that's where we're going to stand. Now, uh, we probably could just go on in prayer uh, this evening, and we'll probably spend some time in prayer corporately um, for the things that are before us because we're also not ignorant of the enemy's devices. Uh, and we're going to pray about, you know, obviously the, the imposing need uh, that, is, that is upon us but also the more imposing need of the revival that has been going on for many days uh, and is going to continue to go on for a period of time. And it could go on indefinitely. Uh, so we're going, to, we're going to praise God. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to be sidetracked. We're going to focus on those things that the Lord would, would have us be focused on. So uh, we've, uh, we've come a long way in a little bit of time to get, to get here this evening. I'm sorry for my tardiness. Please forgive me. It's one of those things I detest. Tardiness and confusion are two of my ultimate hatreds. Uh, confusion I will not tolerate. Tardiness sometimes cannot be avoided. It wasn't avoidable today, uh, lest I come here looking less than uh, I expect of myself. So, uh, but anyways, we are here now. Um, a lot of things in my heart. Thank you for the opportunity to, to go home. And, and we, as we were home Sunday services, we're off the hook there. Um, I have... Uh, really tried to help uh, a lot of my people who did their best to tell me how glad they were that we were home, but how much unneeded we were. Uh, and, and it was painful on them to try to, to try to explain to me how great services have been, even though I have not been there. And uh, one of the uh, fellows that was, you know, said, Bishop, we're just so glad you're home, and it's wonderful, and, you know, services were great, but I just want to let you know that Services have been really kind of high. He said, not because you were gone or anything. And, uh, you know, you could see him start to fall all over himself, you know, because he felt like he was getting in. And, 
and uh, he said, uh, but you know, it's just been wonderful. And he said, now, now that you're back, it's good, and, and we know you're leaving again, but, you know, service is going to be great, not because you're not here. There comes a point when you hear that so many times, you begin to wonder if they really believe that or, you know what, there's something else going on. So uh, I told this, this fellow who is actually uh, preaching tonight uh, at our house, one of our in-house ministers, I said, you'll never know the years that we left to go do the things that God has called us to do, and at home things would fall apart and all kinds of trouble, and, you know, people wouldn't come to church. And I said, to be able to go away and do the things that God has called us to do and to know that everything is fine at home is the biggest comfort that we have, that people are getting saved, that people are getting healed, the services are off the hook. I said, that doesn't discourage me. I don't have a you know, a confidence problem. Uh, we do things, you know, differently. Uh, I, I came from, you know, the old order of Pentecostals. I came from the Pentecostal holiness movement. I came up in tradition and, uh, you know, uh, legalism and all the different things that were there. And I put up with all of the unbiblical standards for how church should be run for many, many years. Uh, and so, you know, lately, over the past 10 years or so, we, we organized our church differently. And started using a more biblical model, and you'd be surprised how well things have gone since we got away from man-led organization in the church. Uh, we don't vote on anything in the church, not in my church. It, God doesn't take a vote. Now, if you do, that's fine, but we don't. Uh, we pray about it. We seek the face of the Lord. We get the will of God and the mind of God, and somehow there comes harmony in the people uh, and we just go on and we don't need to, you know, get a, a yay and a nay going in the church. I don't have a board. Dismiss them all. Set it up differently. I have advisory committees that come and talk to me, that deal with me. I seek their opinion and their advice. Uh, but in the end of it, God's going to have the say. Not a group of men that want to get out in the yard and fist fight once a month. I notice so many cemeteries by your churches down here. And I never did understand the meaning of it until I talked with Gudger earlier and realize that business meetings can become very, very troubling. And now I realize why they have cemeteries next to the churches, and that's where the board members got to fight, killed one another at a business meeting once a month. So I totally understand that. We don't have a cemetery next to our church because I don't allow all that killing. There's going to be any killing. I take care of it personally, and we've got a swamp close by, and um, we don't need a cemetery. But anyhow, just one of those things. Just one of those things. You take that for how you want it, you know, where, where it's at. Uh, all of that to be said uh, to say this, uh, God never takes a vote. There is, no, there is no heavenly model of a vote taking. As a matter of fact, our opinion matters, matters very little to God. He knows what he wants. Our opinion is what gets us in trouble. Uh, sheep seldom tell the shepherd where they will graze. And if they do, several of them usually die. Amen? That's, that's, that's how it happens. So we have to understand that God has a way of doing things, and man has come up the best way we can to kind of try to duplicate those things, and sometimes we become our own worst enemy. Uh, so, you know, I said all that to say this. I said, you can have great service without me here, or you can have great service with me here. You can't vote me out. You can't get rid of me. So it doesn't make any difference how you feel about it. I'll be away this week. I may be home next week. But when I get back, we will go on as things go on. Never forget that. So, if you hear that they're building a cemetery in Ohio next to a church, you might find out that things have changed since I've been gone. 
Uh, but I assure you we'll take care of that when we get home. Amen. All right. So with that being said, I'm glad that it doesn't take a man or a woman to bring the presence of God. Amen. Um, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. It is my privilege. Uh, we have seen some tremendous things happen. I believe God wants to continue that. There's some things that God wants to say to us tonight. There's some things that he wants uh, for us uh, to, to look into tonight. There's some things that he wants to do for us tonight. Now, I'm not going to take a bunch of time. We're, we're, we're you know, uh, got a lot of things going. Pastor's coming home this evening. I'm excited about that. Um, God is about ready to forever change your circumstances. You need to know that. You need to know that things are going to change. Some are going to be happy with that change. Some are not going to be happy with that change. But God is going to change things because aside from all of these distractions, he has a plan for this church and this ministry and this people and this community and this area, and he's going to perform it here just like he said. Okay, so uh, understanding that God cares very much about Miss Kim Dyer, I want to remind you that he already healed her 2,000 years ago on that cross of crucifixion and his resurrection and the stripes that he took before he went to that cross, she, uh, she is healed. I cannot answer for you the questions of why we're not seeing the manifestation as we wish to see it, but I can tell you that God has done greater than what Kim needs. God has done greater than what Miss Kim needs. Now, right now, that's our most impressing need for her, but when Jesus called Lazarus out of a four-day-old grave, it was greater than what Miss Kim has gone through. Do you understand that? Uh, when he went through the town of Nain and saw a woman there who had lost her only son and stopped the funeral procession and went over and touched the bearers and made him let the body down, raised the boy, and gave him back to his mother, that was greater than Miss Kim needs. Do you understand where I'm going? God's an on-time God. He's not bound by a certain number of days or hours or minutes. And even when man has said time is over, Jesus can say, no, time is not over. Okay, so I'm not making light of what we need. The need is, is dire, no pun intended. The need is great, but not greater than God has done, not greater than he's able to do, but we have to stop seeing it as a heavy thing. It is heavy for us, but for God it is a thought. Someone would say, why don't he get with it? Well, now you're asking another question that I cannot answer. Very much like I run my church, God runs his heaven. When he's ready to do what he wants to do, he will do it and nothing will hinder him. There is no lack of faith here. There is no sin issue. There is no hindrance. There is simply a timing issue that none of us can explain. But I can tell you this. I believe with all of my heart she is totally healed. I believe there is no impossibility. Even the doctor is hopeful. Okay? Well, that's something because doctors are seldom hopeful. Amen? Seldom hopeful. But I can tell you regardless of what the doctors say or do, we are always hopeful. Amen? So uh, it is a done deal. That being said... Um, there are, uh, you know, I, 
I, I, I'm not even struggled with what to bring you for a word tonight because God knows what He's doing. Uh, he knew what He was doing when He started this thing out. What's been week go Wednesday, two weeks go Wednesday. My law, my my timing is is. I've been in two different time zones the past. You know, I mean, two weeks ago tonight, right? Y'all kicked this thing off, and uh, then you know Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Uh, and then uh, Saturday night, I gave you a scripture, and I said that there was there were some things we were expecting in this revival. I've already heard that tonight. I, I think uh, Mr. Marie brought that out, but uh, maybe it was Miss Callie. I don't know. Uh, we're, we're, we're expecting miracles, signs, and wonders. Remember, we said that. It's been mentioned to you again. Somebody remembered it already. Uh, and I told you that if you get miracles, signs, and wonders, then there will be a need for miracles. There will be a need for signs, and there will be a need for wonders. You cannot have them if there's no need for them. Okay? It's like everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Thank God we're around to raise them, all that kind of thing. But you have to understand that if you're expecting miracles, there has to be a need for a miracle. Okay, we have a need for a miracle. So if we have a need for a miracle and that need is there, then we can expect God to give us a miracle. So what we're praying and transitioning is, Lord, we're satisfied with healing, but what we're asking for now is that it takes. So if it is our desire to see a miracle, then we need to shift how intricately we're praying and say, God, we need a miracle right here. There's the need. Let us have that miracle and start expecting Him for that, as well as signs and wonders. So uh, that was... The, you know, one of the things that we brought out, the other thing was uh, the message was centered uh, in the beginning around Psalms 34, if you remember that. Some have even gotten on national television, tried to steal my message, and gave the wrong scripture reference. I talked to that individual today and corrected them up openly and publicly about it. And if it, if it weren't for me doing things like that, they'd put me on TBN. You take that and chew that for a little while, and you'll come up with what I mean. But um, I realize you can get excited. You can spark some things out there, and, and the people will just go by it, you know, and, and not think about it. But when I've been preaching on it, and then someone throws that scripture out there and misquotes it, then I have to, i gotta, I got to say something. I can't leave it alone. I have to say something with it. And someone will say, I didn't, now, I don't think you heard that right. I just got it recorded. I recorded it. I got it recorded. All right, right? All right, well, here's the actual verse. Right out up of the Word of God. I'm not criticizing you. I love everybody. You know that I do, and I'm really just playing with people because I've done the same thing, and you have too, and if you haven't, well, you're just right next to Jesus Christ himself. But anyhow, I want you to know you get stirred up enough, you'll probably say something a little off occasionally. Doesn't mean someone shouldn't correct you. I have, but you know. that Psalms chapter 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. Right? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I want to ask you, is there anything that has changed in the course of this revival up to and including today that changes it from being an all time? No. This is a time that we have been instructed in the word of God what to do. Now, it may be hard to find, uh, you know, the, the, the right blessing but even in the midst of the greatest trial that you have, you must bless the Lord at all times. His praise 
shall continually be in my mouth. It's like, you know, hammering something outside and you miss the head of the nail and find your thumb. That is in all times. That is included in the all times. It may be hard to find the blessing right there, the proper one to give God, but you must bless the Lord at all times in His praise. Not a cuss word, His praise must continually be in my mouth. If you're going to cry out, O God, do not utter a false last name. Do you understand what I'm saying? God has not yet revealed to us His last name, but it is not D-A-M-N. Okay? So if you're going to call upon the Lord, do not use His last name. It's not His last name. So we're blessing the Lord's, bless the Lord at all times. Uh, fear will consume your faith. Fear will cause your disease to grow. Fear will cause your sickness to magnify. Fear will cause your poverty to es escalate. Fear will cause everything that is negative in your life to magnify until you cannot see around it. But nothing, not sickness, not disease, not poverty, not anything, can handle your praise. Your praise will defeat sickness. Your praise will defeat poverty. Your praise will bring you out. I will bless the Lord sometimes. I will bless the Lord occasionally. I will bless the Lord at all times. Bishop, you weren't there. You don't understand. You didn't see it as bad as it was. Have you been at a place where it is not all times? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth and I thought so much today, and, 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 and as we've uh, been in revival, uh, I have tried to share with you things that, um, that I've seen the Lord do, things that I, I know for certain that God has done. I've shared with you some powerful testimonies, some that happened very early in my ministry and some that have happened recently. I told you uh, the other night when I was here about Lisa Justice, a young lady who uh, spent a lot of years in my home and how that she lost an ovary uh, and, and had a huge mass and all of that, and she only had one ovary, and she and her husband just got married a few months ago and thought they would have trouble having babies, so they, you know, did the nasty without any protection and found out that God doesn't care about whether you only have one ovary. Matter of fact, God could do it with no ovary. Yeah, yeah, he can. There's nothing God can't do. But with one ovary, they did not take precaution, and she found out she was pregnant. We rejoiced in that. That was wonderful how God had raised the miracle. But then I told you she had been to the doctor, and they found a five-centimeter uh, mass on her uh, uterus and her ovaries and all that different kind of thing. Well, I've since got a report back from the doctor. We went home, and we prayed about it. Uh, and Monday evening, she called, and they put her through all kind of extensive tests. The doctor said he didn't know what happened to the mass, but there was only just a little fibroid on the backside of her uterus, had nothing to do with the baby or anything else, and probably by the time that they got re ready to deliver the baby, she would have a natural delivery with no mass, no fibroid, no nothing there. So God moved in a matter of a couple days to do that. I want you to know that God can take a fibroid off and He can take cancer completely away. There's nothing He can't do. So, uh, you know, God is moving. Um, Today we kind of got caught up in the urgency. You know, we were coming back today anyhow. And uh, so I wanted to share with you just another event that happened just a couple of years ago uh, in our ministry. Uh, and, and, and just and go from that uh, into a season of prayer. 
uh, because we're going to move forward from this. And I want you to know that tonight we're kind of regrouping. There's a lot of things going on. We've shifted, uh, but it doesn't mean that the power of God has to shift, only to become greater. But we are shifting in the attitude. Pastor's going to be here. There's things going to be taken care of, needs to be done. Uh, but the revival must go on. And so it's okay to take a break. It's okay to, to let the shift happen. It's okay to pray that in. But understand this. At some point, we've got to leave everything that is distracting alone, put it aside from us, if we intend for the revival to move forward. If we keep the distraction, no matter how serious it is before us, then revival cannot happen. Okay, so we must transition properly into what God wants to do. Um, as we were leaving today, and uh, you know we had only gotten about 35 minutes away from home, I, I received the first phone call about the things that were going on, and at, at that point it was it it, it was so traumatic uh, that everything looked like that that all hope was lost and, and everything was done. And that really we would have to be raising the white flag of surrender and, and declaring that we had been beaten. I'd like to tell you that the battle flag is back up tonight. That, 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 that other flag didn't work. Amen? Uh, and so, so it is with God. But I can remember, and, and, and I told Joy, we get ready to travel. And, and you know, uh, I like to travel comfortable. You know what I mean? I, I, don't, I don't travel like this. I come to church like this. Uh, you're not allowed to travel naked. It is against the law. I, I hate the law of man. Hate it, hate it completely. Uh, I, I've tried several officers tell them I'm not under the law anymore, but as I sit there naked, I get a ticket anyhow. And, uh, you know, it's the way it is. So I, that's the only way more comfortable I would be traveling is to be naked, which you're not allowed to do as someone would say amen. All right, because we want to keep all that hid. But anyhow... Uh, so I, I traveled dressed down. I had only like a pair, you know, balloon pants kind of thing, whatever you call them, jogging pants. And, you know, some people would have went to town to the bank in that. I mean, I just, but to me, I was, I was dressed down. And as we're getting ready to leave the house, I said, you know, maybe what do you think about wearing dockers and, you know, just kind of, you know, because we're going to get in late and maybe, you know, you just could throw a jacket. We never know what's going to happen. I said, listen, woman, uh, we don't vote around here. We don't take opinion about things like that. I believe God's instructed my heart. We're going to go like this, how we're going. I'm not traveling seven hours, all miserable. I'm going to, I, I need to be free. Everything's got to flow. You know, you got to, you're, you know, and so. And so now we're like an hour and a half away from home, and I get this, you know, this horrible phone call, and like we have to go to the hospital, and I'm, I'm like, now it look like, you know, if I have to, they had to card me to get, you know, how they card you. You got to, you got to prove you're a preacher. Go to the hospital in Ohio. You got to prove to them, you know, because they don't know who you are. And I'm thinking, man, you know, you walk in, look like this. They might think, you know, you're a beggar off the street, but they probably wouldn't think you're a preacher because it wouldn't happen. So uh, I should have listened to God. Should have listened to my wife. I have told you, you know, before that God's been dealing with me about missing Him. I burnt my melted my feet off. Sometimes, and I'm trying not to go back into that place where I don't listen when God's speaking. But I, I thought, man, I don't. Go by the hospital, and I don't look good. And I said, you know what? I, you know, then I kind of got rebellious. I don't care. I was about someone upside their head. They won't let me. I'm going in. I'm going that way. That's how I'm going to do it. You know. And I've traveled for all that time. Ain't had a lot to eat. I'm grouchy. Last thing they want to do is mess with me. You know. Cause thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, anyhow, 
it took me back to a place um, where my wife and I were going out. We went out for a we went out for a uh, we went out for lunch for a date, actually for dinner, and uh, we had been dealing with some some people in our church, a young couple that had come to our church, and um, they, the young man was an alcoholic. He was probably, I don't know, maybe 27, 28 years old. His wife was close to that age. And um, they were uh, pregnant with their second child. And uh, he was he was a drunkard, uh, very mean, abusive. Uh, Erica was a sweetheart. She'd been, uh, you know, in our church, remember our church for a long time. And uh, so they were pregnant with their, their second child, and she was, you know, she was big pregnant. You know, there's pregnant, and then there's big pregnant. I mean, what I mean is, you know, when you look, you tell them how good they look, and then you get behind their back and say, man, she is really fat, man. She's carrying that baby big, and, you know, that, you know, she looks like she's got a beach ball in her. You know what I'm saying? And But to them, you say, sweetie, you look so good. You're just glowing. Hallelujah, you look good. God allows that kind of lie. That's an excuse. It's like, it's, you know, it's like Rahab. He allows certain things, you know, if it will. Uh, so anyways, uh, you know, she was big pregnant. She was big pregnant, and and uh, so we were, you know, we got, uh, we were out eating, and um, and I was wearing shorts. Now, they were, you know, they were the knee, the knee, the knee kind. You know, they weren't the high highs or anything like that. They were the knee kind, and, you know, just a shirt. We was out eating, and I had this telephone call. You you know, Bishop, you got to come to the hospital. You uh, you know, something's happened. Sister Erica fell out the door. She fell down four or five concrete steps, and they're worried about the baby and all this kind of stuff. So I'm looking again, thinking, well, I'm going to go to the hospital, and I look like a bum. And they really do card you up there. You know, they, you you got to look the part. You better steal you a set of scrubs, go look like a doctor, or you better have a suit on, or you ain't going in to pray for nobody. And so I think, what I'm going to do, and went to the hospital, and there was Eric in the bed, and they were doing all kinds of tests for her, and she had fallen right on her stomach. Somehow, being big pregnant like she was and unstable, and she couldn't fall backwards or sideways. She had to fall forward. She's blonde-headed, too, as well. She, uh, she, she fell forward, and, and she hit every step each time, crack, crack, crack on the baby, you know, going down. And so and she was bruised all, you know, over these places, and laying there letting everybody look at it and that's 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 a whole different story uh but you know anyways you know you want to hide that but anyhow uh so you know we were in there and we started praying this is going to get it's going to get good man it's going it, to you'll, you'll you'll understand where i'm gonna go here in a minute but we was in there praying for and uh believing god for for the life of this child and for you know for her health and she wasn't you know, she cracked her head a little bit and different things that but it was really baby that they were concerned about, and uh, so about uh, an hour into the trip, uh, he, in walks her husband, he's a mechanic, he's got grease from his head to his toe, well he's, he's about this tall, he, he, he's just past the height to scare RJ, just, just past the height, he's not, he's not, he's just past that height, some of you know what I'm talking about, he's, he's got, and he's covered with grease from head to toe, and He's looking bad, and, and he comes in, and he sits down, and he's staying way over in the corner away from me, you know, and I'm praying with Eric and different things, and so finally I look over at him and, uh, you know, ask him to set up, and I discovered he was, and, uh, you know, and, and everything, and I said, Dan, I said, uh, <laughs> I said, you know, uh, God has spared your wife, and we're waiting to get a good report on your baby, I, you know, and 
everything, and he sat there, and he just wouldn't say anything for a while, and God just kept testing me about him, and he's just above the height of anybody you want to go over and take their hands and, you know, try to help them or anything like that, and so uh, turned out to be one, a great deacon in our church for a long time, so finally when God was testing me, I went over and I took him by his hand, and I said, Dan, I said, you know, Jesus loves you, and uh, his only desire today is to do something in your life the likes of which you don't understand. And that man began to crumble, and, and he broke in tears, and he fell down on his knees in that hospital room, and I led him to Jesus Christ. And he got saved in that hospital room that night uh, over a fear and a threat, but it was a genuine salvation. I'll tell you how dedicated that he was as a deacon, or remember, he would not miss church. He said, I told God, sitting in that corner, before that I even give my heart to him, if he would spare my child, I'd start going to church, and no matter what, I would not miss a service. He wouldn't miss for vacation. He, would, he wouldn't miss for anything. If the doors were open, he came to church, plain and simple. Maybe no one else has taken that kind of vow, but he meant what he said when he said it to God. So, you know, he, he, he got saved, and when things were wonderful, and we were going on, and the, the, the report came back. The baby was fine. She was bruised up. There was a lot of bruising, but the baby was fine. No danger to the baby. No danger of miscarriage or anything like that. And I think she was probably six or seven months into the, you know, she, she was very late in, maybe later than that, in the pregnancy. So we had a couple of months to teach Dan and to help him come along. And uh, we were at home on a Saturday night. And uh, they had to rush Erica to the hospital because the baby was coming. And, of course, the next day would be Sunday. We'd be in church. And um, they, they, they rushed her to the hospital. And uh, we really weren't aware until they had been there about an hour and a half that they had taken her to the hospital. And, you know, of course, everything was going normal. And, you know, we were rejoicing. It wasn't time for us to go yet. And, of course, we always try to make an appearance and things of that nature. But that's usually if it's before 10 p.m. After that, we don't try to make an appearance until the next day because we don't like for you to be on the floor. And uh, my sleep means a lot to me and all that kind of thing. But, uh, but we were willing to go if, if it became necessary to go. I would sacrifice to go to the hospital for that. And, uh, but everything was going normal. And so uh, we uh, got ready for bed. Once again, I became free and was uh, you know, ready, to, ready to go to bed. You know, and the telephone rang, and, and it's time. Now it's uh, her sister who is a registered nurse who works over at the hospital and said, Bishop, you got to come to the hospital right away. said something's happened in the delivery, and they didn't realize that there was a problem with the baby. And uh, the baby's being born right now, but the doctors say there's no way that the baby can live. He's going to die. And uh, they're, they're concerned right now because everything is so severe that they may, lo may lose Erica in the delivery with it. And so Joy uh, and I threw our clothes on, and we rushed to the hospital, which... Uh, we live in a community very much like yours. Everything is conveniently located about 40 miles away from, from Jackson. Yeah, if you want to go to the bathroom, it's about 40 miles that direction. If you want to go to the hospital, it's about 40 miles that direction. Stores, 40 miles in that direction. There's nothing here, but 40 miles away, there is everything. Okay, so you understand what I'm saying. So it was 40 miles to the hospital. Okay, so uh, we got to the hospital, and we're rushing because they're telling me that it's urgent, and, and we go there, and, and we get inside, and um, the, the sister who's the nurse meets me, you know, she's waiting on me outside, you know, waiting for us to drive up, and she ushers us in, and she's 
trying to take us past all the checkpoints and things of that nature to get in there. And when I get up there, um, they said, uh, you know, uh, all hope is gone. Um, the baby has, has not made it. It's not going to make it. Um, there's almost no life signs in the baby. Uh, and the doctor wants to let you in to pray for the mother. Uh, but before he does, he wants to talk to you personally. And so I said, okay. And so we uh, are rushed back to the uh, delivery room. They have a, you know, the, the, the chair, natal institution chair, whatever it is. And Dr. OBGYN brings me in and he starts talking to me. And, and uh, he said, uh, he said uh, Pastor, uh, we've done everything that we could. We didn't know all the problems that were here. Uh, the baby was normal, but something happened in the delivery, and it went, you know, without oxygen. And uh, the mother, we believe we've, you know, saved her life. She's critical, but she's going to be okay. But the baby is, you know, there's almost no life signs there. And uh, the law doesn't permit us to do anything for the infant. It's not been alive long enough to save its life. Okay. It's not even on the, uh, on the insurance until they can prove that it's viable and all of that. And he said, I just wanted to let you know uh, when you go back here to pray because they would not let us do anything. They said, you will wait until the pastor gets here. He said, by law, we don't have to do that. But because of their need, we waited for you to come. But, sir, he said, I, I want to make sure that you don't offer them any false hope. And he was being very tender. He, he was being very wise from a worldly standpoint, but he was also very wrong. And he did okay right up until he told me he didn't want me to offer them any false hope. And uh, I said, well, first of all, there's no such thing as false hope. No such thing as false hope. Not when you're talking about God. I said, so I can tell you this. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to pray for this mother and I'm going to pray for this baby because there's no such thing as false hope. And I know what you're saying. I respect your education and I respect what you've said, but if you're going to allow me to go in here, you need to understand that I'm going to do my job like you're doing your job. And my job says that my God's the giver of life. And I said, I'm going in there to do that. And he said, okay. And you know, everybody else was in scrubs and masks on and gloves and all this kind of stuff. He said, you go on in. You don't, you don't need to put none of that on. It's said it's a sterile field, right? Yes, everybody else is back there. I can see him working around this baby, and there's a sterile field there, and, and you know, everybody's weeping, their sister's weeping, Dan's weeping, and, you know, he just got saved and made a vow before God, and now he's faced with a, a baby laying on the tables and everything, and what I did know is when I walked into the next room, there was a little uh, uh, anesthesiologist, uh, and there's a, a pediatrician, uh, and there's a, a couple of uh, OBG or, uh, pediatric nurses and different people in there. And, and what had happened was that that whole team of people there were Christians. And so I entered this next room and this, uh, I think it's an anesthesiologist. I, I don't know why, but that's what I believe he was. Uh, came to him and he said, sir, he said, uh, for all practical purposes, the baby is gone. Uh, but if you can do anything, if you can do anything, please come. I said, well, first of all, I can't do anything. I said, I need you to know that I'm going to come and I'm going to pray, but I, I can't do anything. And he kind of looked at me with this hopeless look. I said, but my God can. I said, I'm not here as the performer. I'm here as the representative of the one who's going to perform. 
He said, well, please, please, hurry, hurry, please. And he's dragging him without, you know, any kind of sterile equipment on into this room with this little baby laying on this huge, looks like a huge table compared to this little tiny baby. And the nurses are crying and they're praying and speaking in tongues. And, you know, the, the pedi pediatrician, all these doctors and OBGYN comes in behind me and he's crying and everybody's tore up and on this table lays this little baby that is more gray than than this carpet, gray and blue, and there's almost no life signs. There's nothing left. They're just trying to keep it warm. And there's, you know, uh, they get a, a little beat, and then there's no beating, and there's no breathing, a gasp, and then there's no breathing. And he's completely gray and blue. And one of the nurses looks at me, and she says, Preacher, if you can do anything, do it now. I looked at her and I said, Sweetie, I can't do anything. But my God can. I, I do not know exactly what happened at that point, but I felt the Holy Spirit literally take me by my, my back and, and lead me to the table. And I put my hands on the head of that baby, and I put my hands on the feet of that baby, and I began to pray one of the most sincere prayers I've ever prayed in my life. I remember praying, God, you're the maker of life. You're the creator of life. I'm asking you now, to give life to this child that you created. God, we saw you work miracles, and I just begin to pray. And all of a sudden, the monitor goes off, and the heartbeat starts beating, and starts beating, and starts beating, and everybody falls into tears and everything like that. And we stopped to pray, stopped praying a minute, and the baby went back down, laid my hands back on the baby, and started praying again. God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you've got to give life to this child. You've got to help him. And all of a sudden, they got a sustainable heartbeat in this child. Within 10 minutes, they had a helicopter on the roof of that hospital to take this baby to Columbus, Ohio, to Children's Hospital. And a mother who was critical crawled out of the bed. And the doctor said, you can't get out of the bed. He said, you can't even make it to the parking lot. She said, I'm going to Columbus to be with my child. She said, you can fly me there, or I'm going to go there, but I just watched God bring that child back to life and nothing's going to keep me in this hospital because he needs me. And she walked out less than four hours after delivery, walked out and got in her truck and made the 87-mile trip from that hospital to Columbus to be with her child. And in two weeks, they were both released from the hospital, healthy and whole and happy, and God brought them back. People will all often look to you and say, if there's anything that you can do, always remember there's nothing you can do. But always remember to tell people, but my God can. Never, ever, ever be the performer, be a representative of the performer. Let it be on him. Let it be on him. Go and do what you must do. Wear the mantle. Use the ministry. Lay the hands on. Speak the prayer. Quote the word of God. Demonstrate your faith. Expect the cure. Perform the cure. Do what you need to do, but always remember this, that it's Jesus that does it. In the midst of all that was going on, there was only one unsaved person in the whole room that day, and that was the gynecologist that came to meet me in the room, asked me not to give false hope to this child. There were six other people in that room that were saved and praying over this child, and one unsaved person. He was one unsaved person. 
But after we left and the baby flew out, he was still in that room with the six other people trying to get themselves together that had packaged that baby up. And the anesthesiologist who was from India or wherever he was from looked over at the doctor and he said, what do you think about this? He said, I think I want to know the God that that preacher said can do this. And right there they led him to Jesus Christ. I don't know what all's going on with what we're facing, but I have an idea that it's bigger than what we're looking at. And that there are people that are going to see the glory of God in this that have not yet seen it. That can come out of this with a testimony that will tell people there's never a place where there's not hope if you know the God of these people that they're talking about. Just because things look bad, just because they look impossible, doesn't mean anything except that God's setting a bunch of people up for the big surprise. So we're not just going to see one person delivered here. We're going to see a community and a hospital staff and all kind of other people that are moved. And I'm going to tell you something about the medical profession. It's one of the greatest, I have one of the greatest respects uh, of any place on earth for people that are in the medical profession, especially if they're Christians. Because they lessen their opportunity to have faith. Every time they pick up a book that teaches them about modern medicine, it takes away from them what God's book teaches them about faith. So if you find a God-fearing, believing, believing in the power of God and healing, medical professional, you found a strong Christian. But you will also find people that have hoped and believed and expected and wished and hoped and seen that all go out the door with the patient and then decide God must not be real. So I'm telling you that all the things that we're facing, remember, you can't have a miracle unless you need one. But when you get a miracle, it won't just be for one person. God never does miracles for one person. One person may be the focus and the recipient of that miracle, but it must affect the world or it's not a miracle. So it could be that God says, I'm just going to draw you in a little farther, a little farther, a little farther, because there's just one or two more that I'm going to impress with this. He's going to do it. It's done. It's a done deal. Okay? But there's some things more than we're seeing. That's why we have to get our eyes open to pray for the doctor that needs to get saved, to agree with the anesthesiologist and the nurses or the doctors that do believe, to reach out to the people that are going to be affected by the things that are going to happen by the miracle signs and wonders that are already taking place among you and that are going to take place among you because now you must be able to service them and give them an explanation why. Do you want this revival to move forward? Do you want the miracle signs and wonders that God has promised? Then pray like you've never prayed. Believe like you've never believed. Stand with Miss Kim and Bill like you've never stood and the family and the church like you've never stood. But do not fasten your eyes so completely on them that you forget that this revival is bigger than all this. There's a community out here that's about to be drawn in. We saw a taste of it. We've seen a, just a portion of it. But we're not done. God's not done. And I refuse to be distracted. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord.
Do you know how to bless the Lord? Does anybody know how to bless the Lord? Down to your feet right now. Stand up. Stand up where you are. Bless the Lord. Somebody bless the Lord. Will's not up here leading you, and no one's cheerleading you, and there's no uh, music playing, but bless the Lord. Do you know how to bless the Lord? Can you make music with the pipes that God has given you? Can you bless the Lord at all times? Can you look past the confusion of your heart? Can you look past the trouble of your heart? Can you look past the distraction? Not losing the focus on how great the need is, but look past it to bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. God, I praise you for Miss Kim Dyer right now. I praise you for where she is. I praise you, God, for where she's at. I do not praise you for pain. I do not praise you for sickness, but I praise you for the glory that you're about to reveal in that lady. I praise you, God, that Pastor Bill's on the way home. I praise you, God, that he has one of the smoothest flights he's ever known. I praise you for the protection and the peace and the anointing in his life. I praise you for the things that are about to change in Teleco Plains, Tennessee. I praise you for the change that has taken place at Monroe County Christian Center. I praise you for the revival that is already in progress here. And we came tonight to tell the powers that be. We will not be distracted. We will not be deterred. We will not back up. We will not shut up. But we will only go up. Because Jesus is Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I said I will bless the Lord right now in this time. I will bless the Lord right now on this Wednesday night. I will bless the Lord right now. Yet when I'm in that hospital room, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm not going to sit around mournfully and look with pain. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to lift up her hands and help her to bless the Lord at all times. She goes to praising Him. Sickness will go out of her. She goes to praising Him. Fear won't have any place in That's what we're going to do. There's no one so close to it as the folks that we're talking about. They need our undergirding. They need our support. And they need us to help them bless the Lord at all times. So that His praise will continue to be in our mouth. I want everybody to leave your seat. Come up here and stand with me in front of this church. says anything. But I'll give you the fact that you know him better than I do. What he said he didn't want was everybody in the floor crying, booing, and bawling around. I won't tell you that that's what he was doing earlier, but that's all right because I love him just like that, and I, you know, we're not going to let out. He has a right. He said, I don't want people down crying. He 
It's not going to get us where we need to go. Because once you make promises that we're not going to just, you know, just get down and pray and just, you know. So I did. I drew you a little word. We talked a little bit. You testified. So we can say we did what you said you wanted so you can be the boss. But it doesn't mean that we won't get up front and take hands with one another. Because, boss, you ain't here. Take hands with one another. It's not, it's not like we're not going to get in front of the church and take hands with one another. What does the Bible say will happen to two people touch the three on this earth? And that's oh, Lord, we ask that your blood be poured out on this You're a pastor, you're a preacher, you're a spokesman. What does the Bible say will happen to two of us touch the three on this earth? That's the end. Should we do it? By who? By our Father in heaven. That's a just Now the Bible says that one can set a thousand to flight. And two, who you are preaching? Two, ten thousand. You're proving it. If you look around here and one set a thousand speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard speaks righteousness for me second night of this revival I saw Jesus it cannot tell you where it was yet God will lose me maybe he won't but I saw this Lord your cross testifies in grace tells of the Father's heart to make a way around us Holy, we approach place. not in the earth revealed itself to me. Then, when he saw that I saw it, he tried to hide it. The 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 blood. Oh, I hate to do this. Lord, your no fear of them. When all the empty claims I don't call them out. I've heard upon this speaks a righteousness in me and stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. And he must be in my way. Your blood. I saw the Lord of your cross. That time God did not testifies in grace. Tells of the Father's heart to make a way for us. Oh, yes. So, Lord, boldly we approach, not in earthly confidence, it's only by the blood, by your blood, by your blood, so God's already given us a bigger man, right? So that only leaves one other option. That's hell. So I'm tired of what hell is doing. I want to sound like Earl Roberts of old. Take your hands off God's property. 
I used to hear people bark at him saying, well, if you belong to God, how could the devil touch you? Well, you're just ignorant. I reckon you don't know. The devil puts his hand all over everything that belongs to God if we'll let it. Speaks a better word. I'm tired of letting it. All the empty claims that I've heard upon this earth. Take your hands off. It speaks a righteousness for me. I will call you to the day. That hell's elite league, that heaven's crown king. Jesus, it's your blood. The day that hell's elite league, that heaven's crown king. They said, Suffer, don't dispossess us. To make away spirits over this community, over this church. I'm announcing to you tonight, you've got to go. We're not waiting on you, you're going. Now, at our word, that's why we're here. We're going to take authority over the spiritual things that are going on here. We'll get rid of it. I don't know if there's a need to do that. Well, then you're not a Bible reader. Jesus dealt with it. Peter dealt with it. Paul dealt with it. Timothy dealt with it. Jesus told us to deal with it. Right? Paul didn't play. Everybody says, you know, all this stuff, we don't need to. Paul seemed to feel different. He just looked right at people and said, you foul out of the day. You, you wicked heretic, you. You ain't showing him much grace. He wasn't talking to the person. He was talking to a devil. And the devil don't deserve no grace. See, the problem with devils is when you start addressing devils, people they start fighting. Jesus was Jesus said, "Get thee behind me, Satan!" Look at Peter. He said, "Get thee behind me, Satan! Thou art against me. Thou savest not the things of See, today when we speak to people and we're addressing the devil, they get mad and run off. Peter didn't run nowhere. He realized the Lord was talking. He said, what Peter he was mad? It was the devil run his mouth. Now, so, you know, so now we don't say nothing. We're afraid we're going to hurt somebody's feelings. But boo-hoo. Boo frickety hoo I'm terribly sorry that this would offend you. But there comes a time when it's not you that's talking, it's the devil running his mouth, and I'm tired of what he's saying. And I've been hearing the devil talk all day long, and I've walked into rooms and out of rooms where the devil's running his mouth. Shut your mouth. Get your hands off the wrong stop. And the spirit will reveal itself to you for after you go on. While you have your neighbor's hand, I want you to lift your neighbor's hand high. When you jump a little dive inside, you're going to stretch it out. Hang on, just, just a little bit. 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 Just
want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to bless the Lord. I want to come in agreement with this one thing tonight. Let God totally change the course and the direction of the Lord. Let God totally change the things we've been looking at. Let God totally change the circumstances in this camp. Where there's been a roadblock, open it up. Where there's been a wall, tear it down. Where the door has been closed, open it. Where the door has been open, closed. God, in the name of Jesus. For everything that has affected and afflicted and been a stumbling block, Pastor Bill, God, in the name of Jesus, I command it to dematerialize. I command it to go out of the way. For everything that has stood in the way of this church, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. For every demon of hell, every principality, every power, every ruler of the darkness of this world, every spiritual wickedness in high places, every demon known and unknown, I come against you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the word of God and by the shed blood of Calvary, by the resurrection represented by that empty tomb, by the risen Savior, I come against you. I cast you down. I break your power. In the spirit of a breaker anointing that God has laid upon me, I break your power here and at home. I break your power in the name of Jesus. That spirit that revealed itself, I break you. I cast you down. I cast you out. And I declare that you are powerless from this night. In the name of Jesus. God, bring Pastor Bill in safely. God, touch Miss Kim right now. Right now, touch her. Let us see the change as it were overnight. Let us see the miracles, signs, and wonders that you would desire, that you would see. Strangers that came into Jerusalem, the only desire on their heart is they found the apostles and disciples of Jesus. They said, sir, we would see Jesus. I say to you tonight, Father God, in the middle of the midst of all the darkness and all the cloudiness and all the haze and all the confusion. Sir, we would see Jesus. Sir, we would see Jesus. Father, we cry the name of your only begotten Son, Jesus. Father, we cry the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus. We speak and declare and decree protection in the name of Jesus. Clarity of vision. Clarity of word. Clarity of speech. Clarity of direction. Clarity of the wisdom and the knowledge of application. God, pour it on us. Not one word less. Not one word have spoken. Let us not do, perform, or see, declare, or decree one thing more, one thing less, or one thing other than you would have done. And when this is finished in your mind, because God, we don't have a mind big enough to know it, when this is finished in your mind and your heart, let there be only glory for you. Let there be only Glory Good for man, but glory. 
bless the Lord right now. Bless, bless the Lord at all times. I'd see if God had
anything else to say before the week. You voted. You said yes. What? You have no right to feel any other way than happy because they even let you have input. I didn't throw it on you like I've been doing. I said, do you want it? Didn't qualify it, but I did let you vote. He's come from all over the place for heaven's help. Now, I won't end on that because that's bad. It's not good. Night before the Battle of Jericho, Joshua, presiding general of the armies of Israel, went out to survey the battle. And when he got out there, he saw a man standing over his enemy with a sword. Joshua, being the commander that he was, charged him and said, as he had hold of his sword, are you for us or are you against us? man responded, I am neither for you nor against you, but as captain of the host of the armies of the Lord am I now coming. Joshua slipped the shoes off their feet to the ground which was standing It was a brief New Testament experience of Christ's coming on this earth to lead the armies of Israel <coughs> and the armies of heaven into battle on behalf of Israel. Night Jesus Christ is in Telephone Plain. Tonight, Jesus Christ is at Blunt Memorial Hospital. Tonight, Jesus Christ has come as captain of the host of the armies of the Lord. So don't worry, you Joshua-like people, you warriors, you're ready for your sword. Slip your shoes off your feet and stand on holy ground and watch God fight this battle. That's all I have. I still feel the Holy Ghost, but that's all I have.
anybody ever seen Gray Park? Gray Park. I, you know, when I left home, I, I said, I'm just going to miss this. Where are you going to miss this? I hate the devil. God praise church. Amen. The only two things I want to say to you, church, is uh, number one, uh, be back here tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Amen? 7 o'clock tomorrow. And uh, my second thing is tomorrow, don't let the day go by without getting in touch with our pastor somehow, some way, text or call um, and let them know that you love them and you're thinking about them. And I know many of you do regularly, but don't let tomorrow go by or the next day. Assure them that you're thinking of them, that they're not alone. The hospital and Lacey knows, many of you have worked there, it's not uplifting. It's not. If I know Pastor Bill Dyer, he hates them. So encourage them, shower them with love, and it will lift them up. Oh my goodness, it's great joy. RJ always says a merry heart. It does feel like a medicine. Encourage and uplift them with the love of God. And that's the two things I want to leave with you. Let's pray. God, you're so good. You're so faithful. We thank you, Lord, for the man of God. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. And Lord, uh, cause us to have the courage in you and the trust in you and the boldness in you and the love in you to share with someone lead us to someone tomorrow and draw them to the meeting tomorrow night we're going to lift up hands that praise you and worship you for it's in your son's name that we pray amen thank you church love you see you tomorrow